Welcome. We are going to talk about college football bowl games today. Bowl games have always been a favorite of mine. I remember having a preview magazine when I was six, seven, eight, something like that. And I kept it all year round. I don't think I ever read the articles, but there was this place in the back where it had the score, the final score of every bowl game ever. And it was a bit of history, and I became fascinated with the bowl games, and I would, when I'd play football in the backyard, it always had to be a this bowl or that bowl. So I've always had a love for them. I realized that a lot of people don't. A lot of people say there's too many. My goal is to make this, it's going to be difficult because, like I said, even people that like college football aren't big on bowl games. And then there are people who don't really care about football. The bowl game thing can get kind of hard to understand. So I'm going to hope to do it in a way that's not too complicated. Another obstacle is that I'm going to have to do this quick turnaround once the season gets rolling. I think everybody's been in a fantasy football league where the commissioner, certain players, or certain people in the fantasy football league will be super stoked for the draft and then as the year goes on, they don't even remember to get their starters in. And that's because even though football is an event sport, one game per week, very few games per year, even even by NFL standards, they're going to 17 this year. But it's definitely not the 162 in Major League Baseball, plus the playoffs, plus spring training etc. It's not like the 80 something I don't know whatever the NBA is kind of lost track here but I, I like the idea of each bowl being unique and I liked the tie-ins to the conferences and I'm not and have never really been a big national championship guy it's it's very arbitrary, and when you have teams that have two losses uh, winning the national championship, I just kind of lose interest. I would gladly trade uh, an undefeated season without a national championship for mm, I don't know how many 10 and 2 seasons with a national championship. The more wins, the better. Uh, I prefer my team win. So, what I used to do, when everybody would ask me, here in Lincoln, Nebraska, they knew I liked Nebraska football, they'd ask me, how's Nebraska going to do this year? So I would take the schedule and look at it, and there'd be three categories of games. Games that Nebraska should win, games that are losses, and games that are toss-ups. So, and especially in the Pelinier era, anybody could predict, you know, just close your eyes and say nine wins, and you were right, or close to it. But he usually 
lost a game he should have won, won a game he should have lost, and then the other games, you figure, toss-up 50-50. Yeah. So you take half the toss-up games, add up the games that should be wins, and you get ballpark final win total. The fine folks at Athlon, actually I don't know if they're fine folks, but they're not even my favorite preseason publication, but back in March they put together for every single team the best case uh, scenario for each team, win-loss record, worst case scenario, and then their prediction. And I think it might have even, their numbers have even changed since then, and I've been wanting to do this ever since March, which gives me more reason to worry about the turnaround once the season starts. But here we go. And, of course, me being me, I got way, way too into this. And so i got to figure out a way to pare it down. I've said in previous podcasts that I don't like the really long podcasts, the three-hour long podcasts. I don't listen to other people's podcasts. So my goal is to keep these short as well. But week zero uh, is August 28th, and that's a week where there's only a handful of games. I have 10 Division One games, but they're really good games as far as uh, bowl implications. Uh, the biggest one, in my opinion, is my Nebraska team against Illinois. It was originally supposed to be in Dublin, Ireland, but pandemic, so it's in Illinois. But huge game for both teams as far as bowl games are concerned. Wins are going to be tough to come by in the Big Ten Conference. And if you can get one first week of the season, that's that's a big deal. They have Illinois slightly less likely to get to bowl eligibility. I should probably just take a step back and explain that in order to be eligible for a bowl game, as it stands now, you have to win half your games, six games, in a 12-game regular season. So as far as bowl games go, it's a little backwards. I did the, uh, I took Athlon's numbers, and I divided them up into three piles of teams. Uh, There are teams that are on alert. They're in red in my notes. These are teams where they could or may not make a bowl game. These are teams that... At minimum, best case scenario, they have them down for six wins, or I have them down for six wins. That means everything has to go right, everything has to go good, just to get to six wins. And to me, those are the most interesting teams because uh, bowl games are so in doubt. At the opposite end of the spectrum, you have your Oklahomas, your Clemsons, your Alabamas. I call those uh, the countdown teams because... Even in the worst scenario, the worst that they're going to do is maybe nine wins is the worst they're going to do. So I call those the countdown teams because they are going to go to a bowl game. It's just a matter of 
how soon they get there. So you're just counting down until they're bowl eligible. Those are the least interesting teams to me. And then at the very bottom are the blue teams in my notes. Blue denoting sadness because even best case scenario, everything goes right for them. They still don't get to six wins in a bowl game. And there's not very many of them. The Lions share the teams, the 130 Division One teams, Division One A teams, are alert teams. At one end of the spectrum, you have the teams that everything has to go right in order for them to make a bowl game to get to six wins. And then at the opposite end of the spectrum, you have the teams where, worst case scenario, they're, they're below that six win total. And a lot of teams straddle that line. So, I was talking bowl eligibility. Just because you get six wins doesn't mean that you aren't guaranteed a bowl game. It just means you're eligible for one. So, it's sort of like... I can't think of a good analogy. But with... uh, There's officially 41 bowl games, but in effect, there's only 40 bowls because... The last three are part of the playoff, so two teams, the two teams in the championship, will have played, in a sense, two bowls. Uh, the semifinal bowl game and uh, the national championship. So I really counted as 40 bowl games. And so that means, you know, two games in each bowl, two teams in each bowl game. That's 80 teams total, and when there's 130 teams, it's just under uh, 60. It's like 61.5% of teams go to bowl games. A couple years back, there was a shortage of bowl-eligible teams, and it came down to 5-7 and seven teams, and they had some weird formula to determine. It was based on academic performance which I think is funny that it has to get down to that level before academics are considered when comparing five-win teams against each other. But I've said that on blogs past. So 40 bowls, 80 teams. So I doubt, and I I got into this in previous years uh, on previous uh, blogs and, and whatnot, that when a team is is five and seven, they're not technically out of it if the chips fall where they are, and the bowl games are short of teams, then they could still be chosen as one of the five and seven teams that make a bowl game. And Nebraska made a bowl game that way. Uh, last year was weird in that. Because they had no idea how many games teams were going to play, they said everybody was bowl eligible to start the season. Just another way last year sucked. But this is supposed to be a quote-unquote normal year. But who knows, we all, we all might be dying of the Zeta strain or, or whatever um, before the season even starts. So... 
but it's fun to, to at least be talking about it. So bowl eligibility means a bowl can pick you and invite you, like being invited to a party. And like a party, it's kind of a popularity contest. Uh, your bigger teams, uh, your Blue Bloods, your Michigans, your Nebraskas, your, your Alabamas and so forth that have a long storied history, they're going to get the nod over the lesser known smaller schools with a little lower enrollment because the larger fan bases are going to put more butts in seats and more eyeballs on TV screens. So the one example I always like to use is Louisiana Tech. And I think they're in like Ruskin, Louisiana or, or something that starts with an R. No town that I'd, I'd ever heard of and I'm not sure about, but they had a really good season. They were more than bowl eligible. They were maybe even t 10 wins. And they got invited to a bowl that was, they felt was, they, they felt they could do better. They felt they could get a better bowl, a more prestigious bowl, a bowl that would get them more money. And no one else invited them. And the original bowl that invited them had moved on and invited some two other teams. So they sat out bowl season because they didn't get invited. So that's the difference between being bowl eligible and being in a bowl game. So uh, this year, I'm just going to talk about Week 0 games. Uh, I started to go through all of the Week 0 and Week 1 games. Um, week 0 might be an odd term. When I was growing up, when I was in high school, there was always classics that kicked off the season that would be a week prior to every other team starting their season. And one year, Nebraska played, I don't know who we played, but we played in one of those classics. And then we played the first game. And then the third game, we played Notre Dame. But Notre Dame didn't play a game. We were Notre Dame's first game. And their head coach complained that you know we had had two games under our belt and they hadn't had any so it was a disadvantage to them so for the longest time there were no classics there were no kickoff classics as they were called but now they're back and i don't know what changed and why why it's okay now but if you're looking for logic and reason the ncaa is not the place to go especially when it comes to rules and so forth but now there are games a week before week one and I like I said I count five um, another important thing to note is I did some quick googling I don't see any teams that are being penalized by sitting out bowl games uh, for infractions, um, cheating, and so forth. I could be wrong. Um, maybe LSU, but I'm not sure about that. It's a little weird searching because some of the articles and stuff are from two years ago because that was the last quote-unquote normal season. So it's not as easy to track down. 
But those games are Nebraska at Illinois, Hawaii at uh, UCLA, uh, UTEP at New Mexico State, and UConn at Fresno State, and San Jose State paying Southern Utah to come play them. And I've kind of ranked them from most interesting to least interesting. The least interesting one for me is San Jose State and Southern Utah. I, I have those games in green because those are games that uh, a team is playing a 1AA team, a team at a slightly lower division, and basically paying for them to lose. Sometimes they get upset, but most of the time it's an easy win. Most teams have them. And then as you go down from 1AA, they play Division Two teams, and Division Two teams will play one game against a Division Three team. Division Three team might play an NIAI team, and NIAI team might play a junior college team. Everybody goes down a step to get that at least one win a season. And some teams um, lose. Um, they're they're they're. I call them paycheck games because usually it's a big school paying a little school a ton of money to come lose in their stadium. And they use that money to fund their athletic department, not just football, but everything for the year. One of those paycheck games that could be tricky is uh, somebody was playing South Dakota State the first Week one, and they're usually in the national title hunt. South Dakota State is in Division One AA, so that could be tricky. That could be one of those where they get upset. I can't remember who they're playing though. I keep uh, straying off topic, but Nebraska Illinois. It's the only game between two Power 5 teams, uh, Power 5 being the big conferences, the major conferences, ACC, Big 10, Big 12, SEC. Did I already say ACC? Uh, um, but two Big 10 teams. First time I can remember playing a conference team in my lifetime, the first game of the season. And most people have Nebraska going roughly just beneath bowl eligibility at 5-7. and seven. So to get to 6, you can't drop games that like Illinois, um, who are expected to be slightly less successful at 3-9. and nine. Best case scenario for them is 7-5. and five. And if they're to have any shot, they're going to need to beat Nebraska. Nebraska, it's going to be hard to go to a bowl game without beating Illinois. It can be done, but it's going to be uphill battle. Another, the sec, the game I have second best is is uh, Hawaii and UCLA. It's important the game is at UCLA. Games at Hawaii. Tom Osborne used to say that. If you're gonna play Hawaii, you gotta be sure to you gotta be sure that your four touchdowns better than them because 
all the referees and things like that are from Hawaii. So, and the environment is so relaxing, such a long plane flight, etc. That it's really easy to drop a game going to Hawaii, but the game is in LA, so that's huge, and that's the other uh, big name game, and the last uh, Power 5 team, uh, week one, or week zero, sorry, that has uh, bowl implications feel like UCLA uh, has a pretty easy road uh, for bowl eligibility. Hawaii is a unique case because they have to fly halfway across the world to play half their games. That costs a lot of money, so the NCAA lets them play an extra home game every year. So I believe they have to get to seven wins to be bowl eligible. So, beating UCLA, Power 5 team right out of the gate on the road would be huge for them to get to that. The next game is UTEP, University of Texas El Paso, and uh, they're going to New Mexico State. I just find it interesting that if you look at UTEP on a map, uh, they're closer to New Mexico and New Mexico State than they are any of the other teams in Texas because they're so far to the west. But New Mexico State's the first blue team I have listed uh, as in best case scenario I see them maybe getting to four wins so UTEP needs to take that win uh, to get for them to get to their six win total and there's no margin for error for UTEP I have them at six wins even and that's best case scenario quite a big gap for UTEP between best case and worst case best case is six and six and worst case is one and eleven so that's quite a, a spread um, so, and UTEP has to go to New Mexico State to start the year. So UTEP is going to need to cash in on that. And I think uh, this next game, the fourth game, UConn and Fresno State, most of the things I've seen have uh, UConn being the worst game, worst team records-wise, uh, of the season. Best case scenario, they win three games. So that's with everything going right. They only get three wins. So Fresno State, I believe, is pretty safe. They have to get they have to hit the worst case scenario to get below six and six. And that's only to five and seven. So I think they're pretty safe. That's kinda why this game's down to fourth. And the last game is San Jose State, which pretty safe bowl-wise, and they're playing a 1AA team in Southern Utah. And therefore, it's my least interesting game of the season. 
or of the of week zero. So tune into that should give uh, you reason to or could give you reason to pay closer attention to say Hawaii and UCLA than you might otherwise have or Nebraska and Illinois than you might otherwise have being that it's uh, already bowl implications before well before the weeks even hit one so thank you for listening and hopefully I can find a way to turn these around fast thank you for listening and I will talk to you later